Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey Podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Bar Network, which stands for Biblical and Reformed Network. Today is episode 29. Join us as we discuss biblical beauty versus beastly beauty. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. The first thing you can do is leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media platform. Secondly, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And third, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all of the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. Psalm 50, verse 2. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Well, hello and welcome to today's episode. This is the Locust Hunting Podcast. My name is Matt. I'm Andrew. And today we have in store for you a pithy title. Oh. Would you say it's pithy? I'd say it's a tale as old as time. We're looking at biblical. Why do I keep saying biblical beauty? I don't know. I've we've uh, had to redo the intro a couple of times, so we're looking at biblical beauty versus beastly beauty. I think it's the verses. Mm, it is. The, yeah, that's what that's what trips you. Yeah, yeah. So, Andrew, why are we going to talk about this today? Biblical beauty versus beastly beauty. I think that it's important to talk about it because I think that a lot of people mistake the two. Ah, I think I like that a lot that. of people think that stuff is beautiful when it's actually beastly. Mm. And All right. not beautiful. <laughs> and vice versa. And vice versa. Yes, as I well. Like, yeah. All right, man. Well, before we get into all of this, I've got something. Man, I just set my coffee down and made a loud noise. I need you to affirm something for me today. Affirm. Okay. Affirmative beans. Call the ball. All right. <laughs> you will not I make it. I still don't remember pilot. what I'm supposed to do there. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to affirm cross references in scripture. I thought you were going to say CrossFit. CrossFit? Well, let's affirm that too, but. The one time you went? The one time I went. We do CrossFit stuff at the gym, though. That's true. Every time we do it, I get, like, just demolished by it. But, like, yesterday, mm. things were going fine until we did what we did. <laughs> <laughs> we did, like, four sets of just, it was cool. Um, what did you affirm again? I am going to affirm cross-references cross in Scripture. Okay. And I'm going to affirm it because I really came across a cool one. Recently, all right. What you got? As I was preparing for, um, are you going to tell us what it is, or just yeah, that gonna, you came across the cool one? I'm going to just briefly tell cool. of what it was, what it is. Um, so in uh, John chapter six, we're going through the book of John with the college group on a Wednesday nights. How's that going for you? It's going well. It's going well. Good. Yeah. 
we've got more interest now. So that's that's nice. Shout out to the, the college group if anyone's listening, which I think some of them are. So in verse 45 here, it says, it is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. So Jesus here is speaking um, and he's speaking to the Jews and the Pharisees in this particular part of the book of John. And what he's doing is he's quoting from the prophets. He says, it is written in the prophets and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So at first you read that and it's like, okay, these people are being taught by God in that moment, right? So the prophets said that, you know, they will be taught by God. So that's kind of a, like Jesus is saying that he is God. But then you go back to what he's referencing. He's referencing Isaiah chapter 54. I'm gonna flip there real quick. But it's really cool because my affirmation, I would say, is more so Jesus gives a lot of windows into much deeper, deeper, deeper meanings and promises yeah. than you think, you know? Um, so he says, and they will be taught by God. Well, that that references Isaiah chapter 54. And starting in verse two, Isaiah 54, it says, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your inhabitations be stretched out. He's speaking to um, to Israel. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will, be, you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will, peop, and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed, be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced, for you will forget the shame from, of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood, you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The Lord is the, the God of the whole earth, he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. Um, and then going down in verse uh, 13 is where it says, and your children shall be taught by the Lord and, sh and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness, you shall be established. You shall fear, you shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you. So in this, Jesus is not just saying, and you and the prophet said, and you will be taught by God, and here I am, I'm God, and I'm teaching you, right? He's opening a window into Isaiah 54, which gives this entire promise about the church. And there's that's not like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that Jesus says right. that does that. And so I think, I just thought that that was really cool when I was preparing for my lesson. Um, and I just... Every, I don't know. Every time I think about it, I think it's really cool how Jesus unveils the promise of the Old Testament, yeah, which is the church, and and it's just it's cool. Well, so your affirmation kind of ties into my affirmation. Um, my affirmation is letting the text speak for itself. Yeah. Um, I, I think with a lot of passages in Scripture, we take our preconceived ideas of what it's saying or 
how that lines up or whatever it is. So whether it's our eschatology or, you know, all the different um, theological topics, you know, um, that we have, we've kind of compartmentalized what Scripture is saying and all of that. Even if we've not spent a lot of time in the Word, we've, a lot of what we believe, it's because that's what we were taught. And mm-hmm. so we take what somebody said and and we trust them to be credible. Therefore, that's what we believe the Bible says too. But a, a lot of times, if we just let Scripture speak for itself and we're not bringing in a, a preconceived set of ideas or understanding, um, I, I affirm that. Yeah. And that I've, I've been delving into a lot of different things. Um, recently, uh, really delved, delved? Dove? Delved? I think it's delved. I have recently delved. <laughs> I don't like that Seems word. Seems right. Yeah. I've delved deep into the Olivet Discourse. And um, we're actually going to be doing a four-part series on the Olivet Discourse this fall. Kind of just delving <laughs> down into that. <laughs> um, let's say diving. Diving, dive yeah, that's in. good. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I just, I, I affirm, which kind of builds off of what you're saying, letting the text speak for itself. And part of that is understanding the Old Testament as well as we understand the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we can expound more on that later. But yeah, important, important stuff. All right. Let's get negative here. Deny mm. something. I'm going to deny the way that my dog likes to chew up my socks. It is. Is there a better way mine? for the dog to chew up your socks? <laughs> no. Oh. The better way is to not okay. chew up my socks. So the not just the way that it does it, but the fact that. Yeah. 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 The fact that my dog chews up my socks. She loves my socks. It mm. is awful because what happens is, and this happened this morning. I I I go through socks like nobody's business. When I get new socks, I need to keep them, you know, in good shape because I wear holes in socks very quickly. I don't know why. Probably because you have a size 17 foot. Yeah. <laughs> but she will get them and just instantly pierce holes in my socks. And so I'll go and I'll try and she'll pick them up. And off then of she'll the floor. off of well no she'll get them oh. out of the laundry thing okay and then she will run around the house with them and then she'll look at me to get me to chase her yeah of course so then I go and I walk up nice and slow to her she just stands there and then right when I begin to reach she just takes off and just runs everywhere and I'm just like ooh so it it turns into this big thing and it's um, a big game that you're not playing. Yeah, but she's having a blast. I have learned how to. I've learned how to take stuff from her though when she does that. We've got an ottoman. She, <laughs> so she will put herself behind the ottoman, and then whatever direction we go, she'll run around the opposite side. Right. So what I've done is I've started to just jump over the ottoman. There you go. And grab her and get the thing out, and so that's what I had to do with my socks this morning. But it was just it was maddening. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Good morning in the Robinson household. Yes, yes. All right, so my uh, denial is super deep today. 
as well. <laughs> I'm gonna. Die, I'm denying the new Instagram update. Did they get an update? Well, I mean, see. it's been like a couple months. Oh, probably. What's been What's been new about it? Maybe I... Instagram is now TikTok. Yeah. Okay. I know what you're I don't about. have yeah. TikTok for a reason. Mm-hmm. And my Instagram has become TikTok. Mm. Well, it's worse actually because half of my Instagram is TikTok and the other half is just ads. Yeah. Hey, check it's this like, out. It's like look TikTok and Facebook. Yeah. So <laughs> none of what I look at yeah. are the things that I follow anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, if I want to see what people are posting, I've got to pull up that specific person or group and look at their feed, but I can't just scroll and see the people that I'm following, what they're posting. It's a, it's a TikTok video. And then that sends you down this like 8,000 other videos. It takes Mm -hmm. you off of your (laughs) whole Instagram and then it just starts showing you all these videos. And then when it's not a TikTok video, it's a, uh, whatever, an ad or something. Yeah. So, Instagram, I know that you listen to the Locust Honey podcast. Quit trying to be TikTok. <laughs> your reels, you're pushing it too hard. I don't like it. I just want Instagram to be Instagram. Instagram also has a bot problem. That's true. I get followed by I get followed oh, by yeah. like two bots every day. Oh, yeah. And if you like a picture or yeah. if you like a post, you're going to get three followers and, mm. and it's all just bots. Yeah. So, yeah, garbage. Mm. Well, you've been denied <laughs> if you have been denied. That's right. All right, let's talk about biblical beauty versus beastly beauty. You want to? Sure. Cool. <laughs> be fun. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read my passage again since today it wasn't long. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. I've also got a Augustine of Hippo quote. It says, too late came I to love thee. O thou beauty, both so ancient, so fresh. Man. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Thanks, man. I've been prepping hard for this one. Yeah. All right, so I've been thinking about this. We, We did an episode on truth, and we're defining what is truth, and that there's true truth. Um, But then holiness is another one um, that we talked about. But I wanted to look at beauty from a biblical perspective because if we're speaking the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture, beauty is one of those things that we need to look at through a biblical lens and not just look at it through a worldly lens. And so God's holiness is not so much an attribute as it is all of his attributes displayed in all of their splendor, right? So we think about the angels and as they proclaim one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What they're saying is not just their favorite attribute of God, but God's holiness. Think about it like, um, like light, you know, mm-hmm. light is 
uh, especially so like if you have a white light, that is all of the colors on the spectrum together making it white and personified, I guess would be mm-hmm. the right use of the word. But that's what God's holiness is. It's it's not just an attribute that he has, but God's holiness is all of his attributes together um, displayed in all of their splendor. And when the Bible talks about the holiness of God, it defines it as beautiful. When the Old Testament prophets talk about the holiness of God, the way that they describe it is beautiful. And um, so the the adjective they use for God's holiness is beauty. Uh, But today, really not even just today, so you got modernity and then you've got now we're in post-modernity, kind of in almost like a post-post-modernity. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the thinking in modernity and subsequently post-modernity of beauty is as being relative to the individual. So a lot of times you hear beauty is in the eye of the beholder. What are your thoughts on that statement? Um, well, I think that that's where it really all goes off the rails is all well, of a sudden there is no standard for beauty. There is no, um, there's, there's no difference between something that's beautiful and something that's not beautiful. It just all becomes part of relativism, you know, and it has the same downfall as the rest of relativism, relativist thought, you know, which is that at that point you have no anything <laughs> because right. it's all, you know. Well, let me ask you this. Relative. Have you ever been to a museum? Yes. What museum have you been to? I've been to the Fern Bank. Whoa. I've been to the, uh, goodness gracious. What's that one called in Washington, D.C. with all the rockets and like the the Smithsonian? I've been to the okay. Smithsonian. Yeah. Those are pretty cool places. I went to, uh, I've not been, I've been to Fernbank. Yeah. Um, but when I was in Amsterdam a couple of times, I, I went to the Rijk Museum Ooh. in Amsterdam and got to see a lot of Rembrandt's work and art and stuff up there. Uh, they had a lot of other people there too as well. There was one or two Monet pieces and all of that. But um, a lot of their big predominant work was by Rembrandt the what is it the Night's Watch oh yeah that's a good one yeah I like that one that was cool it was yeah. really big really tall yeah but so my question though is when you're in a museum and you're looking at art is that not subject to the individual is it not um beauty being related to the individual and it being in the eye of the beholder? Well, I would say that what makes the art beautiful is the fact that it displays God and his workmanship. You're cheating. Cheating? Yeah, you're cheating. That's my answer. That's my answer back to that. That's Honestly, I asked that question in the car on the way up here because I was talking, thinking about it as like, all right, so when we say like, when I say my wife, Emma, is beautiful, 
Now, obviously, I can talk about her spiritual attributes. I can talk about her, um, like, the way that she is and just, you know, just beautiful in that way. But then also, like, her physical attributes. Okay, well, what makes her physical attributes beautiful? Is that not in the eye of the beholder, right? Right. Well, I would say that what There's makes... There's a passage that talks about that. Yeah? Yeah, Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. <laughs> but I would say that the reason why she's beautiful is because she displays the workmanship, the craftsmanship of God, right? Okay. Um, and in the same way that she's beautiful for that reason, what makes a painting beautiful is displaying the craftsmanship of the artist, which was given to the artist by God. And All right, so, so somebody could look at the statue of David. Yeah. And be like, man, that's beautiful craftsmanship. Mm -hmm. And somebody else could look at it and be like, huh, that's a little awkward. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's true. So um, so does that not prove that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, Andrew? Um. Your argument's no. I would say no, yeah. All right, so... Because it's still... Yeah. Go ahead. Well, let's tackle it head on. Is there a standard for beauty? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is your answer? That is my answer, yeah. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Are you positive? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's refer to... Uh, let's come up with a, a, a word, true beauty. Does the Bible give us support for the idea of true beauty? Um, I would say the, the only thing, I mean, what comes to the top of my mind is... Um, like Ephesians 2, where he says that you are his workmanship okay. created in Christ Jesus for yeah. good works. Um, so we are the workmanship of God. We that we are the work of his hands. Yeah, you and, know. And that word you could also use masterpiece. Yeah. You know. Um, we are in Genesis, we are made in his image, right? Um and so I would I would say that God has a standard for what he has created. He, you look out and you see all of creation. It's got order. It's got, it's his, I mean, it's got his work all yeah. over it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so as far as a standard for beauty, I would say that anything that points back to the workmanship of God. Okay. Which can include things that are true about God, things that are, it's like you think about a song, you think about a poem, and you have to ask yourself, well, is this a beautiful song or not? The melody can be beautiful because... So what would make a melody beautiful? I would say, well, it would be um, using... So God created music. He created sounds. He created sounds to work together in a way that's pleasing to the ear that he's created in us. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I would say that what makes a melody beautiful is taking that which God has created and 
making sounds that are pleasing to the ears. Right. Right. So, yeah. And, and, and so going back to all of this, when we started this off, we were talking about God's holiness and how it's all of his attributes displayed in all of their splendor. Yeah. And when scripture speaks to that, it describes that as beauty, right? So I would say true beauty can only come from deity. Um, but the problem with postmodernity, the problem with our cultural context now is that true beauty proceeds only from deity. Um, our problem is that we have um, deified ourselves. Mm. So if you look at the people today, we've deified ourselves, we worship ourselves, we've made ourselves um, our own idols. And so whatever proceeds from us must be beautiful is is what our current culture is telling us, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a, a lot of ways that this is being stated but even if you go back, oh, I don't remember her name, uh, Christina Aguilera, like one of her old songs, you are beautiful no matter what they say, you know. To look at me. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but like that whole idea that no matter what anybody says, you're beautiful, mm -hmm. right? And what that's showing is we've, we are now worshiping ourselves. We've deified ourselves. And so therefore, because we are deity – Anything that we do or anything that we are, we're defining as also beautiful, you know? So um, this has several ways of coming out in culture, but one of them is the whole, what are they, fat shaming? Mm -hmm. uh, it's probably not called that anymore. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> got a more politically correct yeah. term. But, um, you know, the the fact that just because this person might weigh more than that person, that doesn't mean they're less beautiful, you know, and, and they should love the skin that they're in, you know. Um, and so while what I'm not saying is that if somebody weighs more, has stretch marks or some kind of thing that, that makes them ugly, um, what I am saying, though, is what we as a culture have done is said, we are deity. Anything that we do is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so because it's beautiful, it should be acknowledged as such by everybody. And, um, so like, that's the whole reason social media is blown up the way it is, is this, you know, you've got social media influencers and they take these people that they've defined as beauty, uh, or as beautiful and um, and our culture very much thinks that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so there's this cultural standard for what beauty is. And if you don't reach it, then here, let me sell you this diet or let me sell, sell you this workout plan or let me sell you this workout pant, you know, and it will make you more beautiful. Mm -hmm. Or if you wear this makeup it will make you more beautiful. Or if you use this makeup styling technique, it will make you more beautiful. Or if you go to this salon, it will make you more beautiful. Or if you do this or that, our, our whole culture is driven on by these things to make you more beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but really all that we're doing 
is we're painting the outside of the tombs and making the outside beautiful while the inside's full of death, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, what, what, what I kind of want to push back on is that true beauty is beauty that can only be, uh, reflected glory, right? So, when the Bible talks about beauty or when the Bible talks about us being beautiful or displaying beauty, um, it's not looking a certain way, talking a certain way, all of these things, but it's when a person is truly reflecting glory. And, um, but for that to happen, there can only be one son, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, what we're saying is we're all these little, uh, deified light, emitters, mm-hmm. you know, and everything that we do is displaying beauty all around us, but there can only be one son and it's Christ. Christ is God in flesh. Um, and the more we radiate his glory, the more beautiful that that makes us. So two more questions that I've got, um, should Christians love beauty or should they shy away from it? Well, I think they should love beauty, and, and but where's way? the? I was gonna say, where's the, where's the question going? Are you talking about like, the beauty of, um, like outside beauty? Well, so like, all right, so you've got some Christians that say um, women shouldn't wear makeup, mm-hmm. right? Um, you've got some um, some people that women wear skirts down to their ankles. They wear their hair up. They don't wear makeup. They don't, you know, do any of that because they want to stay away from worldly beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got churches that, uh, you know, if you look at cathedrals and churches and things like that from the Middle Ages or as our culture refers to it, the Dark Ages, you've got these big, beautiful, ornate buildings and, uh, and then you go inside and they're beautiful on the inside. Nowadays, it just looks like a warehouse that people have spray painted black and then they have lights, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so should we steer clear of making things beautiful? Is that vanity or is it something that Christians should embrace? I think it's something that Christians should embrace um, simply because you've got to look at the characteristics of God. If you look at a sunset, right, a beautiful sunset, or you link, look at like the beautiful mountains that he's created, he didn't have to create them to look like that. I mean, if it were functional, he could have just created it to where it just goes up, goes down. It's just, there's nothing, it's just bland. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Also, you read in Matthew, I believe Matthew 6, Matthew 5 or 6, um, where Jesus is talking about anxiety. I think it's Matthew 6. And he's saying, you know, he, and he gives the famous passages of, um, look at the birds of the air. They neither reap nor sow, but your heavenly father feeds them. And then he's like, look at the flowers of the field. You know, they don't do anything, but King Solomon and all of his glory was not arrayed like these are. So right. I think there is... Um, there is beauty that needs to be embraced outside beauty that needs to be embraced because of the fact that the Lord has, um, 
created us in his image and he's created us to radiate his glory and he is beautiful, you know? Um, Now, the question comes down to by what standard is that beauty being examined? Um, Because what's interesting about our culture is that we say the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but then we don't believe that. And the reason is because what we just talked about, you've got all of these, hey, wear this makeup and you'll be more beautiful. You've got, you know, eat this food and you'll be more beautiful. Do this workout plan and you'll be more beautiful. All of these things you've got, especially with pregnant women who just have, a, you know, they've just had a kid and they're trying to like, right. you feel more beautiful. So like we say the Im- the beauty is in the image of the, the, is in the eye of the beholder, but we are actually, I think as a culture, imposing a much, much more, um, strict standard <laughs> right then well, well you know it, what i mean it is strict but i think it's strict because they're adhering to that principle though right you know so okay yeah um while like say a, a woman that just gave birth um she might have stretch marks or things like that that people can't see mm-hmm. but she sees it and isn't looking at it as a byproduct of her being a mother, mm-hmm. you know, she's looking at it and saying, what would the world say if they saw this? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Sense, or she's yeah. scrolling Instagram and seeing, <clears throat> you know, hey, look at me after four months of giving birth. And then the right. girl's got a sports bra on and showing her belly and, you know, mm-hmm. um, all of that. And so the mother's comparing herself to that and seeing how much praise that that person's getting mm-hmm. on social media. And then... So, so what they're saying is, okay, well, obviously the beholder is saying this is beautiful, you yeah. know, so I have to attain that image, even though my husband thinks I'm beautiful and he's the one that's seeing me, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I still have to attain this image of what the world says is beautiful. Otherwise I don't see myself as beautiful, mm. you know, yeah. so they're still adhering to that, but that is more restrictive, yeah, you know, that's true. because I'm not just pleasing my husband or pleasing the Lord. I'm pleasing anybody that's got a, a social media account that's going to weigh in on whether mm-hmm. I'm beautiful or not. Yeah. And and you've got a lot of women that are finding their worth in what traction their posts get on social media. You know, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're, you know, you, I, it used to be what you'd have Pinterest moms. You know, and so everything they're doing, they're putting up on Pinterest and all of that. But now it's more you've got TikTok moms and you've got Instagram Instagram moms and YouTube moms and all that stuff. And a lot of what they're doing, they're doing it for the purpose of people seeing it and then affirming what they're doing. Mm. You know, so their worth comes from the beholder looking at them and then encouraging them, hey, you look great for just having a kid or you're such a good mom because you're doing these things or you're, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they're not finding beauty in Christ and they're not finding worth in their creator. They're finding their worth in the culture and how the culture's perceiving them, you Mm -hmm. know? But so then they've taken beauty and they've not let the Bible define what beauty is. They've let the culture define what beauty is. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so that's kind of what we're going to get into 
in the last question, but kind of going back to this, should Christians love beauty or shy away from it? Um, so looking at the Middle Ages, um, if you look at most of the artists or the architects or the composers or the philosophers or the theologians or the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like people that have really impacted history, a lot of them came from that time period. And so what was going on in that time period that's different than our time period? Um, And I would say that one of the things is people had a healthy understanding of biblical beauty. Um, You had people that are writing stories that are beautiful. You had people that are painting pictures that are beautiful. You had people sculpting and you had people uh, creating buildings that were beautiful. Um, why were they doing that? And, and ultimately, the, the, the fundamental root of all of that was for the glory of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the church was instrumental in a lot of that. Uh, and, and our postmodern culture hates that because our postmodern culture, if you look at us now, we want everything to be just completely sterile. Functional. Functional. But, but like, if you look at what's beautiful, the aesthetic that's beautiful today, it's, it's very, um, stripped of color, you know, (laughs) it's, it's like this nude color scheme Mm -hmm. and it's just this, um, Everything is is very sterile. Sterile's the best word that I can use to describe it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and and that shows in a whole bunch of ways. So, uh, the Middle Ages, uh, which even if you like post modernity, we refer to the Middle Ages as like the Dark Ages. You know, that was when people were Dark Ages. It was this you know barbaric and just people bumping their heads yeah. on cave walls and you know what I mean? The, uh, um, Monty Python. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nights at the round table. Yeah. But, but really during yeah. that time you had this huge boom in, in all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were chasing after true beauty, you know? And, um, and so you had poetry and you had Shakespeare and you had, you know, just there's so many things, all of these artists and you had um, all of these philosophers and you had all of these theologians and you had just architects and all that stuff. You know what mm. I mean? Um, but why were they doing that? And it, ultimately uh, they were – so like Mozart is a good example. Um, everything that he did, he did for the glory of God and um, and even put that on his – music that he would write, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but the church was instrumental in leading in a lot of those avenues. And nowadays, if you go to churches, uh, they're, they're the complete opposite. Right. And so why is that? And I think ultimately the reason that is, is we've let post-modernity creep into our mindset and we view, we view beauty as a worldly thing that we should shun, Mm -hmm. right? But if we're defining beauty biblically, it's just the display of the glory of God. And so what that makes us is we are the moon and we're displaying the glory of the sun and the moon is beautiful, but the moon you can look at, you know, 
uh, you can't look into the sun. It's too bright. It'll mm-hmm. blind you. But you can look at the moon and it's reflected light and, and it's beautiful. It's peaceful. It's calming. And that's what we should be to the culture around us. We should be this calming, beautiful display of the glory of God to those that are around us, you know? And so that should be with our buildings. That should be in our homes. That should be, um, all over the place. You know, um, there should be this desire for beauty and, and that only comes when we're properly displaying the glory of God. So, in the Middle Ages, you had people that were passionate. They were passionate about life. They were passionate about death. They talked about death. If you looked at, you know, any of um, the, uh, any of the Puritans, they dealt with death just as much as they dealt with life. In our sterile society, we don't want to talk about death or think about death. And our hospitals and just, you know, when people die, it's all dealt with. Whereas in the middle ages, when people died, then they were all put in the middle of the street and they had to burn the bodies or do, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, it was a very public thing and people were constantly understanding that this physical life is temporal and what I do in this life matters and it counts because I'm looking to the life to come. Mm -hmm. This is just the, the, the precursor to eternity, you know? But nowadays, uh, we've got the whole, you know, YOLO mentality of you only live once, so just have fun now and then eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But that's not the biblical understanding. The biblical understanding is we are eternal beings and what we're doing is living for eternity with Christ, Yeah, you know? Um, And so, so that's that had an effect in the middle ages and out of that you saw the reformation and you saw the first great awakening and you saw all these different things. Whereas today there's just this sterile whitewashing and there's no displaying the beauty of God. Um, and, and that looks a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, so a, a good example is in the film industry, uh, a lot of people go and watch movies. A lot of people watch TV shows. A lot of people watch documentaries, you know? And if you look at any Christian movie or Christian TV show, which I can't even really think of a Christian, like, series. Yeah. But if you look at (laughs) Christian movies... Yeah, (laughs) right. But, like, if you look at Christian movies, um, it's... (sighs) It's, it's truthfully, it's a joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the acting is, is not anywhere close. The, the film production is not anywhere close. Um, the storyline is not anywhere close. And, and so if there is a standard of beauty and if God is a storyteller, that's what scripture is. It's God's story of him to humanity. Like we are living out God's story. Mm-hmm. He is the author of, of this life, you know, he, and, and we are, um, we are characters that he's writing in his story. And, um, so, so God cares a great deal about story, but when you look at Christian literature, when you look at Christian arts, when you look at 
Christian architecture, when you look at, you know, Christian, Christian music, Christian music, and just all of those things, we look at the arts as being worldly and bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, like Christian music, we've beat this horse to the ground. But when you think about Christian music today, you predominantly think Hillsong and Bethel and all of that. And while the the quality of the sound has gotten better than what it was. Like I remember when I was in high school, if you wanted to listen to Christian music, you had to listen to like Carmen or Petra. And that was it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Petra's like this 80s rock Petra, band. Petra, yeah. And then Carmen is like this 80, 90s. It's this old, I don't know, it was this guy. Um, but like I, I liked... You missing a DC talk? Well, like I liked Nirvana and I liked, you know, all these. Mm-hmm. Back then it was alternative music, like Grunge. 90s. Yeah. Um, but like that's what I liked. And so my mm-hmm. mom was like, here, um, I, I got you this Petra CD. And I put it in. I was like, this is garbage. <laughs> like, this is, I'm, there's no way I'm going to listen to this. Yeah. Um, so the quality has gotten better, but. The words that are being said, this is why I think uh, Christian rap blew up mm-hmm. in like 2005 is because you had people like Lecrae back then and 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 some others um, that were basically giving you a sermon in a song. They were theologically deep and 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 so a lot of people were drawn to that. Um, and then what they were putting out was, you know, on par with cultural relevant music of, of that same genre, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but then you've got people like Lecrae that now he's not a Christian artist. He's just uh, an artist that is <laughs> proclaimed as Christian. But he, he now if you listen to his music, it, it, it sounds good, but the words mm-hmm. are just it's fluff now there's nothing you know um but my my point is as christians uh we should have podcasts that are like relevant with like what joe rogan is doing you know which is part of the reason that we've started our podcast is we want people to hear christian thought Mm -hmm. through this media platform um you should have artists that are creating art for the purpose of displaying God's glory. We need people that are making movies for the purpose of displaying God's glory, uh, television shows for the purpose of displaying God's glory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and, and those things can be on par or better than what the world is doing, but then be giving a biblical message and displaying the glory of God. And it doesn't have to be overt. You know, this person falls on their knees in the rain and has this, moment of repentance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it's just telling stories that are true. Mm-hmm. You know, that's biblical. Right. And, and because what is truth? Like God is ultimately true. What he mm-hmm. says is true. Yeah. And, and so, um, so if you took movies today and just made them true and not push a narrative or an agenda, but just made them true, then that would still bring glory to God. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, same thing with architecture, same thing with all of these other aspects of life, you know? Um, so long story short, I think Christians should love beauty 
and not shy away from it. We should embrace beauty and we should be seeking to be the moon. Mm-hmm. You know, we're reflecting the glory of the sun and, and we're shining this, this, this seeable light around us that's calming and pierces the darkness and brings light to the darkness um, while still being able to be grasped and dealt with. You know, that's, that's us being disciples. Um, we're, we're penetrating the culture with the gospel and we are the physical body of Christ to the, the culture around us. And mm-hmm. so we should, we should be doing that in all aspects of life. Yeah. Uh, a guy that I really have been studying up on a lot lately is Abraham Kuyper. Uh, he was the first prime minister of the Netherlands and the Netherlands now is not what you would think of being the forefront of like. <laughs> Christian thought yeah. and theology, yeah. but, um, it was, um, and, and there's, there's a lot of church history that comes out of the Netherlands, uh, Dutch reformers and all of that. Um, but Abraham Kuyper, first prime minister, um, late 1800s, early 1900s, I think early 1900s, like 1910, 1920, somewhere in there. But, uh, he was teaching, uh, he's got, I've got a book that I'm about to order, but it's his teaching on, uh, reform theology and how it impacts, uh, government, how it impacts science, how it impacts, you know, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And, and he's dealing with, uh, how reform theology impacts all these aspects of life. And so he started his own denomination. Um, he was a, a leading reform theologian And he was also, uh, he started his own political party and became the first prime minister of Amsterdam Mm -hmm. and, well, the Netherlands. Uh, But what he was doing was bringing social reform through the gospel. And so he's a really cool dude. That's Um, why they call it Kyperian. Kyperian. Okay. Yeah. So. I just uh, put that in again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I kept hearing Kyperian and and I was like, okay, who is this Abraham Kuiper guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, um, that, that is what I'm talking about. Like that is displaying beauty to those around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not just preaching something, but it's living it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so we should be bringing beauty to politics and to education and to church and to, uh, culture and to, you know, the, the arts and to, history into science into mathematics into all of these different institutions and things around us um we need to be penetrating them with the glory of god mm-hmm. and uh, and so if nothing else i hope that this is a call to that yeah all right last question what is the opposite of beauty and how does one become more beautiful so what is the opposite of beauty um the opposite of beauty is, um, <laughs> I guess you'd call it ugliness. <laughs> mm. I don't know. Um, and so then you'd say, all right, well, what is that? Well, I would say a that... A lack of beauty? A lack of beauty, yeah. No, I would say that it is... Um, That's how I would define it. Well, yeah, a lack of beauty. But then also taking what um, God has... Uh, given and then tarnishing it. Okay. Um, 
so when you think about secular music today, right? Um, well, just secular music all the time. Because people talk about this generation and it's like, this generation listens to horrible stuff. But then you go and like... The Beatles? The Beatles. They were theologically Oh, sound. yeah. You know? <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. Yeah, Motley Crue. I mean... Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but... The problem with secular music Our is Our moms not- are listening to this and they're like, that's not old music though. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like Bay Two. Well, you listen to like you listen to like Frank Sinatra stuff. You listen oh, yeah. to Elvis stuff and mm-hmm. Bing Crosby, people like that. It's like their songs are tamer. But when you really dig down to the truth of what the words are saying. One of my uh, like, a song that I used to love and I despise it now as a Christian mm-hmm. is uh Frank Sinatra, old blue eyes, <laughs> singing I Did It My Way. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. But yeah, that the the whole that's idolatry, mm-hmm. that's self worship. Yeah, you know, and but they sound lovely, yeah. you know, because I believe of what common grace ultimately. What yeah. has he got? <laughs> but like, um, but what they're doing is they're taking what's been given to them by God, which is this giftedness, you know, and they're tarnishing it. And I think that that is. The epitome of <laughs> ugliness. ugliness. You know? yeah. so. so Ezekiel twenty eight seventeen says this. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. Um, you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. And it, it's kind of talking about that. And the reason that we titled this the, the way that we did, Biblical Beauty versus beastly beauty Mm. um our culture is pushing what they're saying beauty is and it's this sinful definition of beauty so the bible warns against beauty um paul even talks about women when they when they gather together with the saints don't do all these outward things so that people look at you and and you're lifting yourself up Mm -hmm. but what makes us truly beautiful is is a heart that displays the glory of God, right? And and so there is this um, beastly beauty that a lot of people strive for. And I think the best example of that is when Jesus is condemning the the Pharisees and he says, you're, you're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful on the outside, but you're full of bones. You're full mm-hmm. of death. You're full of decay. And so I, I feel like that correctly portrays our culture today we we want to beautify the outside you know um look at people in drag you know they've got on all of this hair and all of this makeup and all of this well not really a lot of clothing but (laughs) they they have all this outward stuff to try and make themselves quote-unquote beautiful right but the inside is full of death because it's self-idolatry and it's Mm self-worship you know and but that's not what makes somebody beautiful what makes somebody beautiful is that they are being that moon and they're properly displaying the glory of the sun, mm-hmm. you know, but in this case, S O N, yeah. you know, we're displaying Christ to those around us. Uh, if you look at Proverbs, when it describes this, you know, the beautiful wife, um, it, it's this woman that's doing all of these great things, but for the purpose of displaying the Lord to those around her, whether it's her husband or her children or even the people in her community, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and and so 
all of us should strive to be beautiful in the sight of the Lord. Uh, men and women, we should both be displaying God's glory because God is the personification of beauty. Uh, his holiness is beauty, and we should all be striving for holiness. And when we're displaying that holiness, whole, beauty is the display of holiness, you know? So when we're doing these things and people see that, that's what ultimate beauty is, which is why you can see a bald eagle flying over a lake and say, wow, that's a beautiful scene. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, now that's different than when you look at your wife and say, you're beautiful. Right. You know, you, you mean two different things. You don't want to go grab and kiss the bald eagle. <laughs> yeah. I mean? yeah. But, but both of those things are properly displaying the glory of God. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one's just displaying his majesty and the other's displaying his, you know, um, greatness for <laughs> us, his love and, yeah. you know, or, or yeah. fruit tasting sweet. Right. That's God's beauty. You know, it's displaying God's goodness to mm -hmm. us and, uh, it doesn't have to taste good, but it does, mm -hmm. you know, right. um, he didn't have to give us taste music, you know, mm -hmm. a dog doesn't hear certain chords and say, those are great and hear other chords and say, Ooh, listen to the dissonance there. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's something that God has given to us. Um, to display his, his beauty and his glory, you mm -hmm. know? And, uh, and so you can take music and, and it can be beautiful. Uh, and, and you're talking about like pop singers, like you can take nowadays, you can write a song and know that it's going to sell because people are going to like the way that it sounds. They don't care what it says, mm -hmm. you know? So you're taking beauty and then you're making it beastly mm -hmm. by the, the lyrics that you're actually putting into it. But it still gives glory to God because you're still using something that he's created and, and you're using talents that he's given you. Mm -hmm. But it's beastly because people see how you've corrupted that for yourself. Right. So it would be like the moon saying, I'm the sun now. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not because you can't display. The light's not emitting from you. Right. You know, um, even though we call ourselves the sun and look at me, I can display light mm -hmm. half of the day. <laughs> Well, no, you're just reflecting that light from the sun, right. you know, mm -hmm. and in the presence of the sun, the moon ceases to shine, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and so that's what we're doing is we're getting puffed up at night saying, hey, look at us. We're displaying all this light, but really we're just reflecting it from the sun, mm -hmm. whether we're meaning to. So atheists can still display beauty and atheists that have healthy marriages and, and the husband loves the wife and the wife loves the husband. They're still mm -hmm. displaying God's beauty to those around them, even though they deny God, Right. you know? Um, so that's, that's my soapbox on all of this. Yeah. What final thoughts do you have, man? Yeah. Christians, we shouldn't be shying from beauty. I um, agree. I like yeah. how you, uh, when you tied in Ephesians five, that mm -hmm. we are God's workmanship. Um, if you watch a very, uh, talented running back playing college football mm -hmm. and he does this talented move and makes like an 85 yard touchdown. You look at that and you're like, man, like that's, that's awesome to see. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's this beautiful thing to see. Uh, and then if you're a Georgia Bulldogs fan, which we are, yeah. and you see the the defensive line completely dominating last year. Yeah, right. Um, you see this six foot seven, six foot eight guy weighing two hundred and eighty five pounds, two hundred three hundred and yeah, three hundred 
talking about Jordan Davis? Yeah. He's like 340. Okay, so yeah, you got this six foot eight guy weighing 340 pounds, and he's just completely obliterating people on the line. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, that's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. But if I see Jordan Davis get a handoff and watch him run, (laughs) I'm like, that is atrocious. (laughs) Like, that's bad, you know? He's hard to tackle, but I he's mean, slow. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, he ain't really slow. but uh, <laughs> He might actually be. But but my point yeah, is, yeah. we are all created by God and we're his masterpiece. He's created us perfectly to fulfill the works that he's prepared beforehand for us to do. Mm-hmm. And so for women out there, because women struggle with this more than men, but guys struggle with it too. So really, if you're listening to this, if you are taking your life and you're taking... Uh, what you're good at and what you think you're bad at and and you're comparing that to people on social media and you're saying, man, I'm not worthy or I'm not beautiful or I'm not this or I'm not that because this is what society has said beauty is, stop doing that Mm -hmm. because you're looking at that defensive lineman and putting him in the running back position and saying, go run an 80-yard touchdown. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not doing what you were made to do. If, yeah. if we understand that God created us and he's given us roles and he's equipped us to do that, when we do that, it's beautiful. But when we compare ourselves to other people and not compare ourselves to scripture, that's when you get this beastly beauty that comes in, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So uh, the, going back to drag, people in drag. <laughs> that's It's a beastly beauty. Yeah. They're trying to make themselves beautiful on the outside but they don't understand what beauty is because they're not displaying God's glory through them being the masterpiece that he created them to be. Right. Whether it's because they identify as a different gender or they just want to refute God totally and say, I don't care what you've designed for me. I'm going to live life the way that I want to live it. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, that is beastly beauty because we're not being the moon. We're trying to be the sun at that point. Right. So that is our thoughts on this. I hope that this has been helpful. Uh, if you struggle with that, um, find your worth in Christ, find your worth in the word and allow him to define what is beautiful. Don't look to culture to do that. If you are still here, we love you guys. We do. And we hope that you have a good rest of the Lord's day. We will see you next week. That we will. Have Bye-bye. Bye-bye.